I want to um, continue a word that I shared nearly a month ago now. Um, time has gone so quickly. The last time I shared was about a month ago. Um, and this word was called heart analysis. I want to um, go into part two of this word, which I'm going to do this morning. But before we do that, I want to pray. to ask the Lord to be with us and to help us this morning. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, O God, that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is amongst us and with us. And just as Nana mentioned about the vision that uh, Stephanie had about the heavens being opened and your presence coming down, we ask and invite you, Holy Spirit, to just meet with us this morning. Let your presence fall upon us, not just here, but in the homes of those who are joining online, that you will be with us and that you will speak to us and that you will use me to speak your word and cause us in our hearts and in our spirits to be in a place to receive that which you have in store for us this morning. So we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as I said, I'm continuing this word of heart analysis. And um, those of you that were here um, a month ago or so when I shared this, I was just reminding us at the beginning about our vision as the church, which is being ready for the Lord's return. And the condition of your heart is a very important factor in terms of making sure that you are ready when the Lord returns. See, when Jesus returns, he's coming for people who are in right standing with him. He's coming for his children who, at the time he comes, that they are, in his sense, approved of by him. It has a lot to do with making sure that we're not living a lifestyle of sin. It has a lot to do that we are in obedience with God's word and in obedience to the things that the Holy Spirit is showing us to do, that we are, as the scripture says, that we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's another topic altogether. But we're putting the things of God first. Nowadays, it's so easy to put our own agenda first and it becomes a, a routine, it becomes a lifestyle. But the danger of doing that is that the priority of God's kingdom goes by the wayside. And when Jesus comes, the Bible says, he said that he comes like a thief in the night. The Bible says that there are signs of his coming, wars, rumors of wars, etc. You read it in, in the book of Matthew, in fact, different parts of the Gospels. There are warning signs of that fact that Jesus is coming. His coming is drawing closer. But where the scripture says that he comes like a thief in the night, you don't know when a thief is coming. And the whole point of a thief coming in the nighttime is that you're sleeping, so you're not even aware when he comes. But that's how the Lord is coming. And the indication there is that just be ready. Be doing everything that you can to make sure that your relationship with God is intact. And as I said before, the condition of your heart is key. One of the keys to making sure. Because if your heart is not correct, when Jesus comes, he can pass you by. Because you are not in right standing with him. So we're encouraging everybody by this word and other words that I shared. That we make sure that we are doing everything that we can to be in right standing. So that when the Lord comes, that we are ready, and he will come and he will take us. Amen? Amen. So, very briefly, I don't want to go into too much of this recap. I spoke about the heart, and I gave an analogy of the comparing our natural heart to how the Bible describes what the heart is. Now, we know naturally our heart is probably the most important organ within our body. If the heart's not working properly, your body's not going to function properly. If your heart stops, your life 
you're done. Your, 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 your body is dead. So we're now putting the heart is. If the heart isn't pumping blood, which is the life of your body, around the body, your body will not function. So without going into too much more detail, we know how important our heart naturally is. Then I spoke about, in terms of how the Bible describes our hearts. And I gave some analogies about our heart is impressionable. That if you hear things from somebody, even if you haven't spoken to the person, what they say to you, at times it can have an impression on you and you can take it on board. I gave examples of that. But I wanted, I, there's one thing I didn't share that I want to um, elaborate on today um, very quickly about the heart. And in the Bible, actually, the word heart, like the original um, Greek and Hebrew uh, definition for the word heart in Hebrew is a word called leb or lebab. And this actually means the inner being. Or it means your attitude, which commonly means your, your mind, means your, sub, your subconscious mind. So when in the Bible you see the word heart referring to people, it's actually a metaphor for your mind. So all the time the Bible says, love the Lord of all your heart, soul, etc. It's talking about your mind. That's what the scripture, that's what the Hebrew and the Greek definition is actually referring to. So when it comes to our mind, actually, there are two minds that we have. There's your conscious mind and then there's your subconscious mind. Let me just quickly explain. Your conscious mind is the part of you that is initially aware. So your conscious mind right now is listening to me speak. So you're attentive, you're hearing me speak to you. But your subconscious mind is the one that's deciding whether what I'm saying is, is believable to you or not. Whether what I'm saying to you, you're going to accept it or not. If I say something that is, in your mind, controversial or that you don't believe, that's your subconscious mind kicking in. Because that is the part of you that, that is making decisions for you within yourself. And the heart refers to your subconscious mind and what is stored in it is literally where you live from. So what you store in your subconscious is where you almost live as a person. If I let me use this analogy. Um, all of us are familiar with computers. Um, either it's a desktop, a laptop, iPad, etc. Now all of these devices, they contain a hard drive. And all of them contain a desktop. So let me put it like this. The desktop is like your conscious mind. It's the outside part. When you turn a laptop on or whatever, you see the initial icon, you see the sound, you've got the, maybe some of the apps that you uh, log into, you've got the um, bl uh, Bluetooth symbol, etc. It's all on the outside. If you want to adjust the sound, you can quickly adjust it. If you want to click on a quick app to go into somewhere, you click on it and it takes you in. But your hard drive is what enables the whole laptop and the computer to work. So for example, if you want to adjust the sound properly, you can go into the hard drive and you can configure the sound how you want it to be. If an app is not working, you'll go into the hard drive and you'll play around with the app. Sometimes you may need to delete it or do something or update it, etc. But in order for you to assist the computer working how you want it to work or how it should be, you have to go into the hard drive in order to amend. And that is your, similar to your subconscious mind. This is why, at times, 
you shouldn't always believe your conscience because that's the part of you that only shows only shows people what they want you to see so your conscious mind only shows people what they want you to see or only says what you want or they want people to hear but your real life your real heart condition your mind it's your hard drive it's your subconscious So at times, we are not what we show people, but we are what we have stored in our subconscious mind, in our, in our hard drive. And that is the reality of us. So for many of us, when it comes to our subconscious, we need to almost reprogram. Just like when you have a, a, hard, um, a, a computer or a, a laptop, at times you have to go into the hard drive, you have to make amends. At times you have to delete things from there because it's not helping the computer work properly and it's like yourself. Sometimes you've, you've gone through things and at times you need to delete the, how your subconscious has held on to those experiences in order for you to function and operate properly. So in order for a lot of us to receive the breakthrough that God wants us to have in our lives, we really need to allow the Lord to give us a revelation as to what exactly is stored in our subconscious mind, in our hearts. Deuteronomy 13, verse 6, is the scripture that I read before, said, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. I spoke about the importance of knowing how the Bible uses different symbols in order to demonstrate various things. And circumcision is another symbol. Um, I mentioned that when, in the Old Testament, boys were circumcised, it represented a culture of uh, purity before God. But this scripture is not talking about an act of circumcision, something that you do in order to be right with God. It's talking about, again, uh, a, a position of your heart. And circumcision signifies being clean. It means being approved of God and your relationship with him. And the Bible says that when your heart or your, your mind is separated unto God, what he does with you is that he promises to bring protection. He brings guidance. He brings blessings to you. We read a scripture in Romans chapter 2. Quite a of time, I won't go too much into it. But part of this scripture, I'll read from verse 20. Verse 25, I quickly read. So the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but do not obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born or Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No. A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter, rather it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. So it's talking about the fact that it's not the act of circumcision, it's not what makes you right with God. It's about having a change of heart, being in a position where you are separated unto God to receive purity. Matthew 5, 8 said, those whose hearts are pure, will see God. This is one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those 
with a pure heart, for they shall see God. When your heart is pure, when your mind, remember every time I say heart, it's your mind we're thinking about. When your mind is pure, you'll be able to really see what God wants you to see. And you'll be able to hear the thing that God wants you to hear. Sometimes God will speak to you. God will speak openly. Like sometimes God is speaking now. But when your heart is in a position of purity, as I'm speaking, you'll be able to hear things maybe that others will not hear because your heart is connected to God in a particular way. And that's what purity of heart does. I mentioned about the, in relation to circumcision, we looked at cleansing and forgiveness. God wants us to be cleansed. When you're cleansed, it means that the root cause of any issue is removed. God doesn't just want us to be in a position where we ask for forgiveness for something, but the root cause is still there. And for many of us, there are things that are happening where the root cause of things that we are battling with, we haven't allowed the Lord to address it. And God is encouraging us to bring whatever issue that we have so that he can get to the root cause and uproot it on our behalf. So that was a recap of what I shared. I want to move forward from there. Ezekiel chapter 36, I'm reading from verse 26. In the NIV it says, And I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. A heart of stone refers to a mind that is stubborn to some extent. A heart or a mind that's not willing to obey or be corrected by God's truth. See, sometimes when you, you, your mind has been or your heart has been hurt by somebody, it's easy to begin to put barriers up. But we need to be careful. The scripture talks about, again, this description of a heart of stone. Some of the underlying things of this is that a heart of stone represents stubbornness, not wanting to be corrected. It's resistant, it's unreceptive, and at times it's impenetrable. Just think of a stone in itself. When you use a stone, it's, 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 it's only good for very minimal things when you have a stone because it's, it's hard. You can't use a stone and multiply that stone because of the way that it is. If you want to change the shape of that stone, you can't because it's already set in its position. And that's what the Bible says about a stone, a heart of stone. And sometimes when we experience things, our minds or our hearts can be like that stone. No matter what you people say to you about the situation, you've, you've chosen not to change that position. And that is a dangerous position to be in. And God is saying to us that he wants our hearts to be one of flesh. A heart that is moldable, similar to like the, the substance of clay, as we know. Clay, initially, is soft. 
You can mold it, you can shape it. But once it becomes hard, it's like stone. You can't do anything with it. And God is saying to us, either with the, with the things that we're facing now or with the things that may come ahead to ensure that our hearts are like a heart of flesh. He wants our hearts to be open to him. You know, one of the things that, um, one, of, one of the things that has been noticed from time to time is that when we have communion, different ones at time do not take communion. On one side, it's a good thing because we know what the scripture says, that if you take it and your heart is not correct, that you can bring sickness and some people may even die. So if you know that there's an issue that you have in your heart and you're not taking communion because of that, of course, that makes sense. But the flip side of that is that if you know that there's an issue, but in your heart you're not willing to go and address that issue, you are bringing, uh, uh, to some extent, judgment on yourself. Because the Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So if we know that in our hearts that we are, there's an issue there, but we are not willing to go to whoever the person is and address that issue with them, and continually not taking communion as a result of that, you are bringing judgment on yourself. So again, it's a heart condition. These are things that we don't speak about as such because the condition of our hearts is very personal. No one can see your heart condition. And as I said, it's your subconscious mind that we're talking about. You can't put your mind up in a picture or plug it in and then everybody can see or even you yourself can see. Because sometimes we're very good at even lying to ourselves. So it's important that we are honest with the condition of our hearts. And I pray that even as I'm speaking now, that God is speaking to you about areas of your heart that maybe you haven't surrendered to him. Things whereby you know that there's an element of stubbornness or there's a stoniness that is, that is in, 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 in play concerning parts of your life that you haven't surrendered to him. My prayer is that you would allow the Lord to cause that stone heart to become a heart of flesh from today. In Jesus' name. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 7 to 8. It says, reading from the UK James Version, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Forever, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will reap of the flesh corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will reap of the spirit everlasting life. Sowing to the flesh reaps corruption, as we know. In the Amplified, it says that it reaps ruin and destruction. But see, when we allow the love of God to enter into our hearts, we can turn a position of pain to one of deliverance and freedom. And my prayer is that we will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us when it comes to these areas. But it is a process. So on, on our side, there are things that we need to do. One of them involves confession. Confessing anything in our hearts. John 1.9, as we know the scripture, we confess our sins, says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other 
so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Even in Psalms 32, verse 3 to 4, it says, When I kept silent about my sin, your hand was heavy upon me. This is David himself speaking. When he kept quiet about his sin, the Bible says that God's hand was heavy upon him. So God in his word is encouraging us to enter a lifestyle of confession, speaking to others concerning areas that we need to confess and to bring to him. Very quickly, there are four things I want to highlight that confession does. Because confession is something that isn't, it's not a, a consistent thing that many of us do. And it's not to be done religiously, but it's to be done as a lifestyle. But there are four things that confession does. One, you experience God's forgiveness first and foremost. See, God already knows that you have sinned or you've done something that is not right in his sight. But when you confess, it brings forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Second thing it does is that your emotional and physical energy are restored as a result of confession. When we deny things, when we are not open about things, they drain you without you realizing. But confession causes you to be free, to release, to receive that freedom and liberty. Thirdly, when you confess, you move on. Whatever the issue is, is now in the past. You move on from it. Number four, confession helps you to grow. It helps you to develop. Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, said this is, My son, pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Open your ears to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, your mind, that is. For they are life to those who find them, and healing and health to all their flesh. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from your heart flows the springs of life. Put away, put away from you a deceitful, lying or misleading mouth, and put devious lips far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead, and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Consider well and watch carefully the path of your feet, and all your ways will be steadfast and sure. Do not turn away from the right nor to the left. Turn your front from the path of evil. Amen. Proverbs 4, 23, to emphasize on this scripture, says, watch your heart of all diligence, for out of it flows the springs or the issues of life. Now see, this scripture is talking about, again, guarding your heart, but it's more so talking about guarding the truth of God's word in your heart. God's word is truth. But see, what happens that the enemy will deliberately bring things to cause the truth of God's word to be a lie or to be something that you shouldn't hold value to. 
And it's important that we guard our hearts to ensure that we hold fast to the truth that is God's word. So we're talking about guarding your heart or your mind from forms of sin or anything that will stop you from embracing the truth of God's word. So that same verse 24 in Psalms is talking about guarding your heart. But it's also referring to guarding your eyes, the things that you feed your eyes with, the things that you see. It talks about guarding your choices that you make and the directions that you take your path. See, what this scripture does not mean is to guard your heart from getting hurt. Now, it's important I emphasize this because sometimes this scripture, people can read the scripture and think that it's talking about guard your heart from getting hurt. That's not what it's talking about at all. And let me explain to you why. We know that the Bible says that God himself is love and we, we are made in God's image. So as God is love, we also have embraced that spirit of love. And by default, when you love somebody, you are vulnerable. Your heart is open to the person. There's no rigidity, there's no robotic nature or so. When you, when you love somebody, your heart is open and free. So when you love someone, you know that because your heart is open and you're vulnerable, that at some point you are going to get hurt because your heart is open. That's how love operates. When Jesus made us, he knew that at one point there's going to be sin. He knew that at some point that his own creation was going to turn away from him and ignore him. He knew that. But his heart for us was a heart of love. So when the scripture is talking about guard your heart, it's not talking about from getting hurt because the Lord knows that when you love automatically, you're going to be hurt. But it's more talking about guard your heart from making sure that you hold on to the truth that is in the word of God. And I said before, when you love, it means hurt is unavoidable. It's all part of the package. You cannot force love on anybody. We know that. So every choice that we make, everything we decide to do comes from a decision of your will. It's a decision within your mind. And that's why when we chose and we gave our hearts to the Lord, it was a de decision that we made with our minds, remember? And when I say mind, I'm talking about with our hearts. So it's important that we recognize that our choices are important when it comes to our connection with God. Romans 10, verse 9 to 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Lord Jesus, as you know, and believe in your heart, believe in your mind, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with, it's with your heart that you believe.
and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So we see again the, 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 the important role that your heart, your mind plays when it comes to making its decision to know Jesus. So everything that you do flows from your mind. It all comes from there. So it makes sense, that the Bible says, to protect and to guard your heart, to guard your mind. Because it will protect the very things that you do. So as I mentioned before, it's important to remember what are the things that we are putting, what are the things that we are feeding in our minds. The choices, the decision that we are making are the result of what you are feeding your mind. So if you put the right things within our minds, the decisions that we make will be decisions that will be in line with the will of God. But the reverse of that is also true. If we're putting the wrong things in our minds, think about some of the decisions that we have made. What have we been feeding our minds with? Because it's those things that will cause us to make the decisions that we are making. So it's important to guard, protect our hearts, protect our minds, protect the truth that God has given to us in his word. Because out of them, as the Bible says, flow the issues of life. So very quickly, why is it so important to guard your heart? Let me just quickly go through a few pointers here. Why you should guard your heart. One, because of our love for God. God, as I said before, is love. God wants us to demonstrate love for him. The Bible said that we should love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the most important command that God has given us. So by guarding our hearts, the motivation behind it is because of our love for him, in knowing him, wanting to live with him, wanting to be with him. Two, it's because you want to accomplish God's purpose. God has a purpose for every single one of us. This means that even fulfilling the plan that God has for you, it flows out of your heart. Whatever plan that you feel that God has, it comes from your heart. It comes from you connecting with the Lord. So protecting your heart enables you to live in a way whereby you are living out the purposes and plans of God. Third reason for God your heart is because it's important to finish strong. And I said to you, we, are, we, we know we are living in the last days now. We don't know when Jesus is coming, but we know he's coming very soon. And it's important that our, our end is in the closer that Jesus is coming, that we are more deliberate to ensure that we are living in a way that is, he approves of in what we are doing. So finishing strong is very important. 
Philippians 3, I'm going to read from verse 12 to 14, it says, Now that I've not already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to which the prize of which God has called me, heavenward, in Christ Jesus. See, Paul wrote this scripture and he recognized that the work wasn't done and he wanted to make sure that he finished strong. Again, he wasn't looking at, focusing on what has happened previously, but he was looking ahead and what was coming forward. See, Paul used the scripture to ensure that his heart was protected. And the same is for us to do. Now we know that there are battles ahead. We know that some of us right now, there are battles that we are facing. But if we guard our hearts and keep our minds, we will position ourselves to ensure that we finish strong. Before I pray, I want to leave you with this scripture that we all know well and good. Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. See, remember that, as I said, the heart is talking about your mind. This is the antidote that the, that the scripture has given to us, the Bible has given to us, in order to ensure that our, our minds are engaged with the things of God. Things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable. So if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, that these are the things that we should be thinking about. Unfortunately, a lot of the time we're thinking about what we don't have. We're thinking about what we're not able to pay for. We're thinking about maybe what we want to buy and purchase. We're thinking about how we can obtain something. Those things are not bad in themselves. But if we want to be in a position where our heart is guarded and protected, the Bible says that these are the things that we are to meditate on. These are the things that we have to think on and think about. So right now, I want us to just to pray. And I've said many things concerning our hearts. For some of you, right now, this may not be a, a, a situation where your heart is in any particular position. For others, this is something that is happening with you right now, where you need to really surrender your heart. But whatever position that you are in, the way that life is, things will be coming, whether you like it or not, where your heart is going to be under attack. Your mind is going to be under attack. The enemy will bring things deliberately to call you to justify holding something against somebody. He will bring things on purpose that will make you 
feel that the doing the wrong thing, as in doing out how, responding how you feel out of your emotion, will, will, will be the right thing to do in your mind because you're not feeding and protecting your mind based on the word of God. So we're all going to be in a position where the scriptures that I've read are going to be applicable. So I want us now just to pray and ask the Lord to just, in your mind, to do a new thing. Speak to him concerning areas of your heart where you know that have not been surrendered to him. There could be elements of unforgiveness. You could be holding something against somebody. It could be an area whereby you know that there is the truth of God's word that you haven't been putting into practice. Whatever it may be right now, I just want you to speak to him and ask the Lord to renew your mind, to cause your mind to be totally surrendered to him. Any areas of your heart and in your mind you know that are not in good in alignment or in right standing with God, just ask him to forgive you. Repent. Repent simply means to change the way you are thinking. Change your mind. To turn from being in an opposite position to God to being back in alignment with him. So right now, where you are, just pray and bring these areas before the Lord and then I'll pray with you. Thank you, Father. Father, we just bring our soul before you this morning. You see the hearts, you see the minds of your own children. And Lord, we are praying that you will do a work within us. Father, help us, O oh God, to protect our hearts in the way that your word is teaching us to. Father, we repent where we have held things in our hearts, in our subconscious mind, that we know that are not right in your sight. Where, Lord, we have communicated things in order to hide the true condition of our subconscious heart or our mind. We pray for your grace and for your mercy. We ask right now, O oh God, that, Lord, that you will cause our hearts to be in right standing. Cause our spirits to be aligned with you. Your words to the God that we confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we may be healed. And I pray for this lifestyle, God, of confession to be amongst us. That, Lord, we will not allow the enemy to keep us in darkness, to be holding hold to things that, Lord, that we should be confessing, not just to you, but to others as your word teaches. Father, help us to live this lifestyle of open confession. So, Father, we pray the Lord, as you touch us in our hearts, speak to each one. Help us, O oh God, to draw to you. And that, Lord, you will cause our hearts to be in right standing. So, Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Before um, John Mark comes, I just want to give an opportunity for anybody. If you know in your heart that there are issues there with people, remember the Bible says that before you even come to God himself, that you go and find that person and you try to make things right with them. And when you've done that, then you come to God and you bring your prayers. This is a, is a principle that sometimes we forget. Because what we do sometimes when things happen, we automatically come to God, speak to God. But we're remembering the process that we are to go to that person first. So I want to encourage you right now 
that person may be here. After service, speak with them. If they're not here, you have their number. Contact them. Because this is a, 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 a situation of your salvation, your relationship with God, and whether when the Lord comes, you're going to be with him or not. So Lord, I just pray, even as I've just spoken right there, I pray that Lord, that you will speak to the hearts of your people. That Lord, that we will humble ourselves, we will pray, we will seek your face. Return from anything that is not right in your sight so that Lord, you will hear us. You will forgive our sin and you will bring healing. So Lord, help us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.